Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, but let's pray. Father, yay, you are awesome. You are our delight. You're our champion and our hero. God, we give you worship. Father, our Lord and our Savior, thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear as Chris prayed. And Lord, I pray too that you'd strengthen us with might in our inner being, that we would truly come to know together with all the saints what is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that we'd be rooted and grounded in this love, filled up to overflowing. In the name of Jesus, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. If you wanna turn with me, we're gonna have a look at Ephesians chapter one. Uh, I love, I love the book of Ephesians. I encourage you to read it in all sorts of different versions. It's fantastic. Um, and I love to pray the apostolic prayers in Ephesians. I pray Ephesians 1, I pray Ephesians 3. Uh, but I want to just pull out just a little piece of one of these great apostolic prayers. I love to pray the Bible because the Bible tells us that anything we ask according to his will, we can have. And so any of these prayers that Paul prays or encourages the saints to pray, as we pray it, we can pray it in faith, knowing we'll receive it, hallelujah. And so it's so exciting. I personalize it, I pray it really intentionally with an ex expectation I'm gonna get what I'm asking for because this is absolutely the will of, what, of God or whatever I ask according to his will, I'll have. Yay. So it's good. All right, let's have a look. Ephesians 1:17. Paul's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, remember who we're asking. He's not like the God of the Christians. He is God, the one and only true living God, the Father of glory. Oh God, give us a revelation of you. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding in the knowledge of you, the Father of glory. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Yay! I pray, like, that's more exciting than you're reacting. Like, this is an invitation to have all of this. Like, who wants that? Me, so pray it, ask it, take it, expect it in ever increasing measure, hallelujah. But I wanna draw your attention. I mean, I love the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that we know the hope of his calling and what he's called us to. Do, called us to. When we know him and what he's like, we understand the truth of what we are like because First John 4 tells us that as he is, so are we in this world, hallelujah. We need to know what he's like so that we can understand who we've become as people who have been crucified with him, raised up with him, seated with him, hallelujah, in heavenly places. But he says here in verse 18, uh, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Do you know that there's good works laid up in advance for you and I to do? 
and there are things that the Holy Spirit, you know, are going, it resonates in your heart. When you start to see it happen, you just come alive like, yes, I was made to do that, yes. And, and there are things, big and small, that the Lord has laid up in advance for you to do good works. There's, there's things that God has for you. And as you are listening to the Lord and walking in obedience and holy confidence and holy boldness and step out instead of hiding under a bushel of false humility or fear or inadequacy, when you know who he is and you know what he says about you, you'll also know the hope of the calling that he has on your life and you'll do it with boldness, hallelujah. And uh, we're gonna talk some about that in the upcoming conference, talking about your destiny and the calling and how to step into that. Um, but, and what, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? This is the part that I wanna draw your attention to tonight. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Most of us, tend to go, okay, the hope of his calling, I love that bit, the, the, you know, the greatness of the power toward us who believe, yes, I want that, and I wanna know about God, but we often don't fully appreciate or understand what he's saying here in this middle piece, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What he's talking about there is that we would come to know by supernatural revelation the value that we have that we are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. The riches of the glory of his inheritance where? In the saints. God says, God wants you to pray and have continual revelation that you are his inheritance in the earth. And he wants you to know the riches of the glory of that, uh, that revelation. He wants you to know your value. And we're gonna talk about value a little bit tonight and what that means and how important it is. You see, God's heart for us is that we would know that whoever touches us touches the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. Uh, that we are co-heirs with Christ, all of the promises for um, Jesus, for the Israelites. We are co-heirs now, hallelujah. We've become new creations. We have died, hallelujah. And we've become new creations, part of the body of Christ. That everything you read about him now has become part of your inheritance, that you are his body, he is the head. And it's a glorious thing. But his body is valuable. I loved something that... Uh, Pastor Finney shared last week, he said, we gotta be really careful about criticizing the body of Christ because it's the body of Christ. I was like, oh, that's very good. It's the body of Christ. Whoever touches that touches the apple of his eye. We need to get a little bit more respectful of the body of Christ. It may have flaws and weaknesses that, that they're having to begin to recognize, but let me tell you this, when God looks at them, having repented of their sin, he, he looks at them and says, clean, holy, forgiven, pure. I don't judge you by your past. This is who you are, hallelujah. Fully qualified, clean and holy. And so we need to be really careful about how we speak about one another, amen? So, 
Whoever touches us, Zechariah 2.8, whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. I mean, that's the part that is most sensitive. Like if you've ever tried to put a contact in your eye, it's like very foreign concept because like, it's like, that's your eye. Don't stick your finger in your eye is a natural thing. It's wisdom. You don't stick your finger in your eye. God, does, God wants us to recognize that you are so valuable that he will instinctively protect you. Instinctively be fiercely, fiercely protective of you. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye and there will be a reaction if you stick your finger in the eye of God. So we need to begin to understand our value because with the measure that we use toward ourselves is the measure we'll use toward everybody else. If we're critical of ourselves, we are instinctively going to be critical of everybody else because with the measure of love that we have toward ourselves is the measure that we'll give to everybody else and the cap that we put on our ability to love anybody else, amen? Um, but you know, I believe when we, be, when we understand that we are loved and that we're valuable, we'll have confidence to freely and generously love other people. You see, while you still think you are unworthy and you are, you're lacking in value, your instinct is to love people with an unconscious agenda to be loved back to get what you are craving and needing. Your conversation, your talking will instinctively um, reveal insecurities in how you, what you believe about yourself so that you can try and get from them some form of affirmation to make you feel okay about yourself. But when you start to receive what God says about you, when you start to believe what He says, that you're the apple of His eye, that you've been made altogether lovely, forgiven, holy, pure, righteous, valuable, called, anointed, with the same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead resting on you, when you start to believe the riches of the glory of His inheritance in you, your attitude toward other people significantly changes. Suddenly you're talking to people with an attitude of, I'm so highly favored, let me bless you, let me love you. And instead of needing something from them, you can overflow in a generosity, hallelujah. And when we understand that, we can recognize the value of in investing time in our relationship with God so that he can reinforce to us the truth of our value. Because if we don't take time, then we start to coast on yesterday's revelation. God wants every day a fresh revelation for you about the truth of how valued you are to him. You know, my life shifted and changed when my understanding of who the Father was changed. When I started to recognize that when I came to him, he was always happy to see me, everything shifted. I used to think he was tolerating me, that you know, he was always thinking about my failures, my weakness, my haven't done enough. But instead, when I understood that every time he sees me, he is the father of the prodigal son 
all the time toward me. He's always running towards me, always wrapping his arms around me, always giving me far more than I deserve because that's who he is. When I began to understand that, my relationship with the Lord began to flourish because I wanted to spend time with this one who loved me, hallelujah. I, I tell this story when I was a high school teacher. I was a high school music and drama teacher. I had a year nine class. Have we got any high school teachers in the room? Maggie, you understand. Year nines, bless the Lord. They're in this, they're in this little age group where they know that their marks don't really count that much and they can get away with all sorts of things. And they're 14. Anyway, I had this drama class, Newmarket High, it doesn't even exist anymore. Um, and I had this one young man, um, his name was Dean, and he came from a really troubled background. His brother was in jail, there was no father on the scene. And um, one day, one afternoon after lunch, I came in and Dean was climbing the louvers, the glass louvers, and was right up high and just carrying on about how much he hated the librarian and what evil things he was gonna do to her because she'd done this or whatever. And um, I walked in and I said, Dean, honey, you're high, get down, sweetheart. And the, and the, the kid said, miss, you don't understand, he's high. I said, no, I know, he's gonna fall. <laughs> Darling, get down. I, I didn't know, like so naive, I was 21. <laughs> Sweetheart, get down. And he was, he was a difficult student. He, was, he spent most of his year nine outside the principal's office, because that's how they just dealt with it. And in fact, there were some classes he just didn't go to. He just went to the office and sat out the class out there, because there was no point. He knew that that's where he would end up. Anyway, I noticed that he had a flair for the dramatic. And so I, I talked to him, I said, Dean, I think you're really good at acting. I said, I'm gonna give you the lead role in the class play. Wow. And I said, would you, would you like that? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so I said, I think, I think you've got what it takes to do that. Anyway, this young man was like a changed person. I would walk into the class from that time on and he would, he would be the first, he would be sitting down while everyone else was up and he'd be saying, everyone, come sit down, miss is here, listen to miss. <laughs> like, he went from being the worst student in the school to being my best student. Why? Because someone saw something of value in him. And you know what, when you start to see something of value in other people, and when you start, A, to begin to believe it about yourself, and then sow it into somebody else, you empower them to become generous with their love. You know, I look at this and I think about, um, I think about marriages. You know, we should be known by our love for each other. The world should know us by how healthy and happy our marriages are. But you know, sadly, often marriages go, I've been married for 28 years, praise the Lord. Um, coming up to 29 in January. But when you've, you, you, often marriages will go through times of 
of just doldrums, or they'll even go through times where you'll start just tolerating each other. Where I see, you know, couples and they are, they're just sort of, they're married because they have to be. And you know, because this is what the thing is. Or, or they're surviving. Or they're avoiding trying to get in trouble with each other. Because there's, you know, constant criticism. Like, why did you open that bottle of milk? We've already got one open. Or, you know, why you, why you pack it that way? Why didn't you pack the dishwasher this way? You know, the little things. Anybody recognize any of that? Toothpaste. Tom does like it when you go from the bottom. And I'm just like, get it in, get it done. Like, it's a thing. But you know what? When there's too much of that going on and not enough valuing going on, pretty soon couples start to get into this, how can I avoid getting in trouble stance? And either they have conflict or they start to just do this dance around each other where we're just trying to avoid getting in trouble from each other. And that's not what the world wants to know Jesus by. That's not what is intended. God came that we'd have life and life more abundant. But you know what? You can turn that around by simply applying the principles of God in our everyday relationships. And one of the key ways of turning things around when you're, in, when you're finding yourself in that sort of situation, you might find yourself in that sort of situation at work, but one of the key ways to turn that around is by starting to show people that they are valuable. And the way that we can do that is by appreciating them. By actually saying and showing appreciation for the things that they do. Now, I mean, not one lot of appreciation and then nothing for four months and lots of corrections in between, but actually every day looking for something that you can appreciate and, and show appreciation for will help people feel valuable. Um, when it comes to husbands and wives, we all wanna feel like we're doing a good job. I mean, I wanna feel like I'm a good wife. My husband wants to feel like he's a good husband. But if I criticize him for this and I criticize him for that and I criticize him for that and I never thank him for anything, the narrative that goes on in his head is, she doesn't think I'm a good husband. She doesn't think I'm a good husband. And then us trying to want them to show us the love that we've got, we're finding that they're not open-hearted in wanting to, to show lots of love and, and, and so on because they're actually shut up trying to protect themselves from any more detraction from my value because I, I want to feel valued by you. And it works, of course, both ways. But when we start looking for ways to appreciate each other, all of a sudden, you start to empower people to be generous and free with their love. Hallelujah. So I, I look intentionally for opportunities. For example, I'm... I mean, I, I look for, for ways to, to, to not just take things for granted, but to take a moment and appreciate something. Like, I think it was the other night 
we went to try and watch something on the Apple TV. And I, you know, I'm really funny about what I watch. I like it. It's got to be edifying and yeah. a, a true story. And yeah. so I'm, we need to search for something. And so we're trying to find something. And this silly thing hasn't been working for a long time. And every time we do, we've got to put in this password. And this happens. And this is like, ah, oh, so annoying that that doesn't work. And, oh. Frustration. Nothing really frustrates me quite as much as technology that doesn't work. Really annoys me. Anyway, we sat down the other night, and lo and behold, it's all fixed, it's all sorted. It's all the passwords are done, it's all working. And I said, did you fix the thing? He says, yeah. Oh. Thank you so much for doing that. Emily and I have had so much frustration. Trying. I'm so, I'm so, appre I so appreciate that you did that. You're my hero. Thank you for doing that. And all of a sudden, he feels fantastic. I'm a good husband. I did a good thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Looking for the opportunity, whatever it might be, to take a moment to appreciate something that's been done is an opportunity to add value to help someone feel valuable. Or Tom will make, make a comment like, I really like that you make the bed every day. Makes me go, I'm a good wife. He thinks I'm a good wife. I wanna make the bed every single day. He thinks I'm a good wife. Or you could just ignore it and let it be just part of the, the day. But you know, when we make intentional decisions to value people, what we are doing is we are giving out of an overflow of believing that we are valuable and valued by God. God's ask for us is that we would love like He loves us. He values us. He says, I want you to have revelation on how valuable you are. And He wants you to continually ask Him for more and He wants to continually fill you to overflowing with this revelation of His love that values you. And then he says, and I want you to do this for each other. So we have to look for opportunities to appreciate and value one another, to value one another with the people we work with. Find an opportunity. I mean, especially when you work even with good people, it can be easy just to take for granted that they're okay and, and just deal with the dramas. But if instead we are intentionally looking for an opportunity, oh, I can really appreciate you did. That was, I, I saw you went over and above the call of duty with that. That was really, that's made a difference to our lives. Or that's made a real difference yeah. for people. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that. Taking the time to do that empowers them to start to overflow with generosity and love. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I've, I've seen so many Christian marriages, where when people have been intentional about changing the way that they value each other, I've seen them turn around and, and start to flourish again. Too often people go, oh, well, I don't feel loved and you know, isn't my, life, my life, my marriage isn't very happy, you know, he doesn't value me, she doesn't value me, she, blah, 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 blah. And the more they go on about what they don't like, the more they have, of what they don't like. Yeah.
because the other person is like, oh, I need to protect myself to stop feeling less valued. And, and, and if only they would do this for me. But the moment you open up your heart and start to show value for the other person, you start to build into them a storehouse out of which they can start to overflow. Hallelujah. You know, it's the same with our children. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 12 in uh, verse 25 says, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You don't know how much a kind word can mean. Deb sent me a lovely text today. I was in the middle of meetings, I was busy and I had things going on. And I had a, you know, a bit of a disappointment happen that morning. And all of a sudden I get this lovely text comes through just encouraging me, just, a, just an encouragement, just a kind word. And you know what? My spirit went, oh, that was nice, God. You know, there are good works laid up for you to do, and some of them are just simple, kind words to the person behind the counter serving you or to the, the, the person that you are uh, walking past, a, a kind word of encouragement. You know, people get such a shock when you, when you just out of the blue give them a compliment or encourage them. It's like, why would you do that? And often it opens an opportunity to share the good news. But, but more often than not, it, it gives them the opportunity to go, you're a nice person. Oh, and, and when you do have the opportunity later for a conversation, they already know that your attitude toward them is that you value them, hallelujah, that you're not judging them, that you are actually somebody that's like Jesus, who was the friend of sinners, hallelujah. And in the same way, we need to be careful with our children, with our spouses, with our workmates, that looking for opportunities to celebrate celebrate when something good's going on, to actually maximize it. I mean, this week, my husband did something extraordinary. <laughs> he went and he bought himself a motorbike. Now, let me tell you, I'm not a big fan of motorbikes myself. My instinct is like, not safe, nothing around you to protect you from all the other vehicles, like not safe, don't like, not safe, don't like, no, not safe, don't like, is, is my attitude. But I have an opportunity to celebrate with him, to make a choice to either go, you are a bad husband putting your life in danger and being irresponsible. I could do that. And you know what? You know how much value it would add to him? None. It would just take away. And you know how much it would change my life? Only negatively. So instead, I'm like, that's an awesome bike. It makes big loud noises. <laughs> like a cool bike. In fact, other people say that is a cool bike. Isn't that cool? <laughs> you know, I really, I believe we have, to, but I've also seen, I've also seen women that I just get embarrassed about how they speak to their husbands. Like in front of people, oh, don't you know, turn the corner here, do this, and they order them around like they would not speak to anybody else. If you wouldn't say it to your boss, you need to think about, is it appropriate 
to say it to my loved ones. If you wouldn't, if you wouldn't, you know, speak to your boss like that, then why would you speak to your husband like that? I think it's important that we start to recognize until we learn how to value each other and respect each other, we're not going to unlock the generous love that God wants to release through us. Hallelujah. I tell you, we have, I think we've got the sweetest marriage we've had in our whole 28 years right now because we've learned how to appreciate each other and make really intentional efforts. And the more effort he makes, the more effort I make. And the more effort I make, the more effort he makes. But when you slip back into the habit of just criticizing and da 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 all of a sudden you go back into the surviving, avoiding, getting in trouble mode. You know, God often has to deal with believers who interact with him in an avoiding getting into trouble mode because they believe that every time they come to him, he's just going to correct them. You know, when you start to shift your attitude toward people, you actually may be empowering them to understand what God's like. If you're a father that's just always, hey, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, Kids can grow up with an attitude of, that's what God's like. God's telling me, don't do that, don't do that, do that, don't do that. When in fact, that's not what Father's like. When we come to the Father, He's there going, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Holy, pure, righteous, forgiven. And we're like, who? You. You need to pray that you'd understand how valuable you are to me. And when we begin to believe what he believes, then we can then start to show others what he's like. As fathers, as mothers, as brothers, as sisters, as children, everyone who is named by the name of Jesus Christ, who, who is named by the Father, you are a representative of who he is. God wants you to be very intentional to love like him. And you know what? His love is so lavish. It's so rich that if he brings a correction, it's not taking away from a deficit that I already have. It feels like even more love and value because he's put so much into the bank every day that, that I'm overflowing with a sense of identity, that his perfect love has cast out fear and cast out insecurity. My prayer for you tonight, as I was praying and thinking about bringing this, I believe that we have a practical opportunity to really be known. I'm going after this. I want us as a community to be known by our love for each other. That every time we speak to each other, we are looking for a way to celebrate something good that's going on in their life, or to affirm, to encourage, to appreciate, so that if things do need to be dealt with, we're not then drawing on an empty bank account, but that we are solid in our understanding we are loved and valued by one another, amen? The way it begins is in our personal sphere of influence. I want you to have a think about who this week, could, what relationship this week could I turn around by investing some value into them. 
What relationship? Is it a work relationship? Is it a, a friendship? Is it a, um, a marriage? Is it a, a, a father-son, mother-daughter relationship? Mother-son, father-daughter. Is there something you could shift? Is there a small change you could make that would start to turn around a relationship where you've started to close the doors and defend yourself? Because God wants us to be a lavishly generous people who love and invest value into others so that we can unlock in them more of this glorious love. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Father, we say thank you. You are faithful. You are glorious, altogether wonderful. And Lord, I thank you that when you look at each and every one of us, Lord, who's come to you and said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need mercy. You have given us your grace. You've given us your mercy and you now call us saints, clean, holy, righteous, with a, with a value, Lord, that is beyond our comprehension. Father, I'm asking that you would so solidify that reality in their hearts, that they would become rooted and grounded in love, that they would know the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us, the saints. Father, I ask this in your holy name that you'd help us, Father, to recognize opportunities where we, we could give an encouragement, where we could give an appreciation. Father, help us to see it and turn it around. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, looking for a way, I'm gonna to speak to the wives and I'll speak to the husbands. Wives, if you can look for a way to help your husband feel like he's your hero, like, Oh, you did that, thank you. You are gonna help them understand, hey, I'm loved, I'm a good husband, I'm loved. And husbands, if you can look at your wives and go, hey, I'm gonna make you feel beautiful and loved and valuable and, and you've done such a good job. The more that we'll take time to do this, I really believe we're gonna build a healthy community that, that people are gonna be drawn to. Because as the lost come in, he's wanting to bring them into family. And as family begins, and this is why we're so, we're so on the importance of, of family and marriage. Because when we understand what that looks like in a healthy environment, everything else begins to flow. They say that, that marriage is the building blocks of society, the nuclear family. But if we can start to really value that and, and so value into it, we're gonna see, I believe, genuine revival. And as we, as we really intentionally do this, I see, believe you're gonna see change. And if you're single, you can do this in your sphere, in, with your housemates, yeah. with your workplace, with people you interact with. As you become known by your love, there's too many Christians who are known by their judgment. Too many Christians that are known by their ability to pick fault and to, to throw stones. You know, stop it. Throw stones at the devil. Like, why would you spend time throwing stones at someone else that calls Jesus savior? It's the body of Christ. You're sticking your finger in the eye of God. Watch out. Scary. Hallelujah. Anyway, having a rant. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Are you happy? Praise the Lord. Are you gonna do something with what I've said? Oh, wonderful. Let's, let's be really intentional to do that, to let God perhaps shine the light on some areas where we have neglected 
the opportunity to value others, to appreciate others. Amen? So we're going to pray for a few people and then I'm going to let you go. But before we do that, I want to ask you tonight, if you're here and you know in your heart you aren't in relationship with God, God desires more than anything that you would know him as Savior and Lord. Jesus went to the cross and it was for the joy set before him, the Bible says, that he endured the cross. The joy set before him was him knowing that he was making a way by becoming sin. He who knew no sin took on the sin of the whole world and died in our place and rose again so that we could receive the gift, free gift of forgiveness, of mercy, of righteousness, unearned, simply received by faith in the Savior. And it was for that joy Jesus went to the cross because he knew Light can't have any fellowship with darkness. He is perfectly holy and nobody was able to measure up, yet he desired that we would be joined to him as his body. So the only way to make us as holy and pure as he is, is to become sin so that he could give us his righteousness. When we humble ourselves and say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner, I haven't measured up, I'm not as holy as you, have mercy on me, forgive me, I give you my sin, I give, you, I give you my shame, I repent, I thank you, Lord, I turn from it and I receive the grace, have mercy on me. He comes and he gives you a brand new life. He comes and the Bible talks about it being born again. You, you don't have to do it. By faith, you simply receive the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus and you are buried with him, raised up with him and you're given a new heart a new life and his spirit comes to live on the inside of you. All it takes is for you to say, yes, Lord, I repent and I receive the mercy of Christ. I believe Jesus is qualified to give me a new life, to take away my sin and my shame and my guilt and to give me power to become a new creation. If you're here tonight and you know in your heart you're not walking with God but you wanna receive the grace of God, I wanna pray for you tonight. If that's you and you say, yes, I wanna to respond to the mercy of Jesus, let me see your hand, I'd love to pray for you. Is there anyone here that says, yes, that's me? Let me see your hand if that's you. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. All right, I'm gonna ask Chris if you'll come and Meg if you'll come. Let me just pray for a couple of people. But you know, I really, my prayer is, and I say this to all our preachers too, is that, I don't want to have a place where we have great worship, great word, but then people go away and they're not actually applying what they know. Because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And I wanna be known by not only what we know, but by our deeds. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. And nothing would make my heart happier as a pastor is to see you go, I'm taking that and I'm applying that this week. I'm gonna look for an opportunity to make my husband feel like a hero. I'm gonna look for an opportunity to make my wife feel like she is so appreciated and so valued and so beautiful and so loved. I'm gonna look for an opportunity to appreciate um, my, my workmates, my friends. I'm gonna look for opportunities to add value to them, to help them understand their value so that they can feel confident to receive the love that God has for them and to give value to everybody else around them, that 
we might become ambassadors of Christ. Hallelujah. Fully representing Him. Amen. Thank you, Papa. Lord, we give you worship. Father, we give you honour. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.